Welcome to the Warning Trek Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scaff. He's Mike Orman. Today we're going to recap the NFL's Week 13 action, update our betting competition. We'll also talk a little bit about some free agent signings and in uh, in baseball. We'll update on the World Cup and uh, a little bit about the CFP, College Football Playoff. Uh, then we'll talk about Week 14 action too in the NFL. 14. We'll start where we have been starting the last several weeks uh, with the most interesting stories from week 13 in the NFL. What uh, what did you find most intriguing from week 13? Was it scoring five touchdowns in a quarter uh, from Dallas? Um, winning a game with no offensive touchdowns for, for uh, Cleveland? Scoring a decent point total 20 27 points with no offensive touchdowns yeah only two field goals um i'm gonna assume it's not the chiefs losing a pretty awful awful to watch game against cincinnati yeah that was uh, or, or uh, something painful. something else in, entirely what what was most interesting from week 13 i think most interesting to me was maybe quarterback injuries uh since we had both lamar jackson and Jimmy Garoppolo going out for competitive playoff teams. And then both both teams won with their backup quarterbacks, whether it was Tyler uh, Huntley or uh, Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. Forward and I guess road. we also had, I guess, because of quarterback injuries, uh, the, the Rams signed uh, Baker Mayfield today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. May, Mayfield got released uh, from Carolina. So I think this... And yeah, the quarterbacking has been interesting. And Mike White's still playing in replace of in place of um, Zach Wilson. Didn't have necessarily so, a great game, but he he threw for almost four hundred yards. He, he had he brought the team back. Yeah, he, he kept the team in it. Um, mm-hmm. What my only victory, a betting victory. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but I guess it's quarterbacking has been interesting this this past week. I I didn't. Uh, I was yeah the Chiefs loss very well and i don't think the chiefs match the bengal's intensity a lot of the time mm-hmm. and i think they i think the i think they've been out coached a lot too and whether it was you like the last two times the chiefs played the bengal's they were outclassed in the second half because Something I don't know. Something with the offense, Reed and Bianami not uh, making adjustments, or maybe failing to, um, you know, try to you know blow the teams, blow blow the teams out when they could, mm. or and then this time it seems like they came out flat, and then they were ahead, and then they kind of ended the game flat again. So the fourth quarter wasn't very good. The first quarter wasn't very good. The middle was okay. Um, so I don't, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about the, yeah, the, but the interesting to me, I think, I think was the uh, continued quarterback injuries, and I think maybe the star-crossed uh, season of Jimmy Garoppolo, who might be out for the rest of the season. Although I heard today that he could possibly return during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, what what struck you about this? Uh, yeah, tweak? I, I think it actually is the uh, San Francisco. I think it's San Francisco 49ers. I think that's probably the most interesting story from the from the group was that, yeah, that Garoppolo went down. They still won 
won a big game against um top five AFC team, at least anyway. Yeah, like, they won handily. Fairly handily, yeah. And it wasn't um too bad with with a with a Mr. Relevant. So yeah, maybe this is an entirely different quarterback controversy than we've talked about on basically all year long with San Francisco. What are they gonna do with Garoppolo? Is Lance good enough? Now it's maybe Garoppolo likely won't be with the team next year. This it kind of ends that controversy, I think. But now maybe there's a controversy between Purdy and and uh and Lance if if Purdy finishes the season well. Mm-hmm. Is there a different controversy now too? It's uh that's that's a really like intriguing story, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think I think it is. I think yeah, it's Purdy he played all right. He, you know, he had, um, you know, he 210 yards passing because, and he basically played almost the entire game because Garoppolo went out early First and, yeah. and they had a good offense, both running and passing with him. Mm-hmm. His stat line looked pretty similar to what we see out of Garoppolo. Right. 210 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception, QB rating of 88.8, pretty good. Um, yeah, solid. Yeah, he outplayed Tua. Yeah, you know, McCaffrey had a big game rushing and receiving. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it seems like, um, but that's with him, you know, not practicing with the first team though, too. So with you know, Purdy wouldn't get first team snaps in 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 practice uh, leading up to the game. So that's really not bad for yeah, know, someone being uh, pressed into it. Yeah. He played relatively well against the Chiefs in the in, in the mop-up duty. He ended up throwing mm-hmm. interception in the end zone, but he moved the ball. He moved the team down the field pretty well. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, I think there might be a controversy if yeah, if we we say that um, Purdy leads them into the playoffs, Which I think they're, they're gonna barely. You know, away not far from from clinching a playoff spot. I would right? say they just if, if they win two games, they're in they're yeah. eight and four right now. Um, they have we might say a relatively they don't have any easy teams on the schedule at the end. Yeah. So they play home against the Buccaneers, who are leading their division. They won yes, they won last week, but haven't looked so great. Mm-hmm. Um, at Seattle, home against the Commanders, who are fighting for the playoffs as well mm-hmm. at the Raiders who maybe. may actually be fighting for a playoff spot. They're only right. two games out right now. Um, you know, they, you know, I, I, I think they probably have to win out to make it, mm-hmm. but who knows if the, we would, we talked about last week, if the, they play the chiefs the last week of the season, we thought, well, if the chiefs had won out, maybe they would be sitting pretty for the uh one seed and then maybe they wouldn't play their best players against the raiders and the raiders might um uh, get it but maybe we would say well maybe maybe the chiefs are locked in if 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 they aren't in a battle for the one seed like let's say buffalo wins all their games yeah they, so they're locked, locked into, out of the one seed they're locked out of the one they're locked into the two maybe yeah. they wouldn't play but i think yeah. i think that's possible but i don't know um, then, then home against the Cardinals, which is probably the easiest game, and the Cardinals mm-hmm. aren't terrible, terrible. But um, by that point, maybe they will, maybe they won't care. Right. Uh, so I would say it's not a super easy schedule, but it's a doable schedule. They don't have like any juggernaut that they're playing. Yeah. 
you could, I could see anywhere between. But it'll really come two. down to the, how they do in that game against Seattle, right? So if they if they win that game, they're basically in, right? Yeah, I could see them anywhere between two and three, two and three over the last five to four and one or five and out. Who knows? Hmm. Um, but yeah, then it, then it might become a question. Well, once you get to the playoffs, do they keep Purdy in, or do they do they do you bring Garoppolo if he's healthy? Back? Who's healthy? Yeah. And that's you know that's it's got these other that's another potential controversy down the line. If if Purdy plays well, do you, what do you do with Garoppolo? And for this season, yeah, for this season, if he if he is healthy by the time, you know, like let's say the 49ers win a their wild card playoff game and, and mm-hmm. Garoppolo is good for the divisional, what do you do? Do you put him in? This is it's a little bit like what was the um, controversy that was developing with the Chiefs many years ago when um, Rich Gannon and Elvis Gerbach right. were fighting over it. And, and Gannon had, had been the hot hand, but then he got hurt. So Gerbach went back in and stayed the quarterback, even though Gannon came back. Was maybe the better. And then Gannon yeah. went out. I don't, I, don't, I don't think Garopp was as good as – well, he might be as good as what we thought Gannon was. Um, so yeah, but yeah, like you said, it's a, it's, a, it's potentially a three-way uh, quarterback <laughs> uh, controversy because yeah. they still have Lance, but Lance was a higher draft pick than Purdy. But right, you could argue well, Purdy played for Iowa State, you know, a Power Five school. He had mm-hmm. much more experience in college than Lance did. I guess he doesn't have the running dimension uh, to his game in the way that. Lance does, but he's pretty ran a bit in college, but not uh, not a whole lot. Yeah. I'm looking at his college stats. Yeah, he ran for about looks like a little over 300 yards a year. Yeah, several rushing touchdowns per year. He ran but kind he... of just like when it when he when he needed to, but it wasn't like a run run. It wasn't much of an option type guy. He would take it when it was available to him, but he wasn't looking for it like you know the typical like running college quarterback anyway. So let's 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 look at the tail of the tape here. I I have uh, Purdy's uh, stats versus Lance's stats. So Purdy started eight games as a freshman. So he he became the starting quarterback by season's end. He had a college quarterback rating is a little bit different from pro rate, but. he had 169.9 rating. He had 16 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 2,250 yards. And then he had almost 4,000 yards as a sophomore, which is probably his best year. Mm-hmm. 27 touchdowns, nine picks, and then solid 19-9, 19-8, and about 3,000 yards each in junior and senior uh, years. Uh, with quarterback ratings of at least 140 to each of those seasons. But that junior year, they they were just outside the uh, college football playoff position um, yeah, going, f- into, going into the conference championship. They finished number nine in the poll. They were nine and three. Yeah. They only lost one game in the Big 12. I th- I th- so I think, yeah, when they got to the um, the Big 12 championship game, I think they were ranked sixth. And so going into that game, there's like, well, there's an outside chance. Three and four both lose. Iowa State wins big in the uh, college football. Play- in yeah, the, in the conference championship, and the you know, there's a there's a slim chance that they could sneak in. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah you were right. They were number six. They're played. They lost twenty-seven to twenty-one to number ten Oklahoma, and they got cheated by the officials in the <laughs> repeatedly. It was awful. It's a recurring theme that the uh, Big Twelve has. They do not. They don't. Um, they don't just not put their thumb on the scale for the team that has a chance to get into the college football championship. The refs actually like take away whatever chance they had at, at being a dominant team in the in those games mm-hmm. too. It was, it was awful. Cheated. That was that was also the year where they lost their first. This was the COVID year. Yeah, that was the year they lost their opening game to Louisiana. Like it's Louisiana. We used to be Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, um, who ended up being pretty good that season? I think they ended up being ranked for a lot of that season. I don't know if they finished ranked, but they did. They were ranked during that. They season. ended up uh, finishing fifteenth uh, or sixteenth, depending on what. Whole they were like an unknown team, and they managed to. Um, yeah, so they had a good team. Yeah, they had a good team. Um, so, but it was un- it was an unexpected loss for sure. Then they then they yeah. won. Three in a row, then lost barely to Oklahoma State, then then rattled off a series of victories until the Oklahoma game, and then beat Oregon in a bowl. So they had a solid season. It was it's, it reminds you a little bit of K State's season this year. Mm-hmm. K State lost at home to Tulane, another non-power five mm-hmm. school, um, but also ended up making the Big Twelve championship and actually yeah. won the Big Twelve championship this year. You might say again, maybe because of uh iffy uh, officiating yes. but um it's a theme but yeah i was talking about yeah brock purdy's uh quarterback stats yeah so um, how, how does um how does lance compare to the to well the- lance has really only one season as a starter he did not start in 2018 he was redshirted um the quarterback for um, uh, the quarterback for that team was Easton Stick. Oh, you might remember him as, as Char- Chargers, Chargers uh, backup Easton right Stick? now, fifth round backup. So he was the backup to Easton Stick. Um, the that was the that was a year that the Bison uh, went undefeated and. Uh, won the national championship over James Madison. Um, in that was that, in that's 20, a, is that D two? Is that what that is? Division one, one to uh, one. FCS F, football. That's yeah, F, in twenty nineteen, North Dakota State. Um, also went undefeated, number one all the way through. They were the first college football team to finish the season sixteen and zero. Since Yale in 1894, back when Yale uh, would win um, many national championships. Uh, Do you know the 1894 Yale team? How what what do you think the average number of points that Yale allowed per game in 1894? They went were 16 and 0. I'll say not very many. I'll say one touchdown per game, seven points a game lower you would have to be it's they averaged the only allowed they played 16 games they only allowed 13 total points <laughs> that's a less less than one point per game wow and it looks like most of those points that were allowed were safeties yes they they 
they shut out 13 of 16 opponents. Yeah. Uh, their fourth game, they they won, the only games that they allowed points was against Williams, where they beat Williams 23 to four. So I assume that was two safeties uh, yeah. by Williams. They beat Army, the closest game all year, 12 to five. So I'm guessing Army had a field goal and a safety. And then they beat Harvard 12 to 4. Wow. And uh, so I, I'm assuming two more safeties. So <laughs> it seems like maybe the only offensive points they allowed the a whole single field goal was a single field goal. I, I assume I that's the, I, don't, I guess scoring could have been different back then in 18. Yeah. But they, yeah, they scored, they, they themselves. Outscored opponents 485 to 13 on the season. Wow. It's domination. And, yeah. Yeah. So that was Yale's 1894 team. Um, wow. Uh, and wow. Uh, the, one of their best players was Bill Hickok, Wild Bill Hickok III. <laughs> who I don't know if he was related. Actual relation or from that? I don't think he. I don't. He wasn't related to that Wild Bill Hickok. Maybe from that distantly. Wild Bill Hickok. But he was not. But he was named yeah. Wild Bill, of course. Yeah. But yeah, um, naturally. And yeah. So in. Well, how do how do um. Lance and uh, Purdy's NFL stats line up are they oh, okay. I, we haven't talked about lance's college stats yet. yeah we, 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 so because he one year was very very good yeah he um finished with 2700 yards passing so a little less than 200 yards per game but he had a 28 to 0 touchdown interception ratio he also rushed for 1100 yards with 14 touchdowns so really really good but Against not that strong of competition, he also, play, he also played a full 16 games, um, you know, which is a really a regular season. Yeah. Um, the touchdown-interception ratio would be, would be really good. But, um, but then he played only one game in 2020 um, during the COVID year. He had two touchdowns, one pick. He rushed for two more touchdowns, 143 yards. So he had a pretty good game. But um, – he didn't have that much competition. He, he played in the FCS. Mm. He only had that one really good year, but it was a really good year. Um, he's tall. He's 6'4", 224 pounds. Hurdy is 6'1", so he's a little shorter. Yeah. Um, doesn't have the running ability. So I guess physically you think of um Lance as being a better prospect but mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if he's a better passer he didn't he wasn't asked to pass as much and you know a lot of that a lot of that passing yards from Lance probably came because well he was able to run the ball it was a little bit mm-hmm. like Lamar it was a little, you know, like having Lamar Jackson out there um bigger Lamar Jackson so I guess that's what they want a bigger Lamar Jackson yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Lamar Jackson played against you know, as much. He played Louisville. He played. He won a Heisman Trophy. He played 
much harder competition than yeah. So, yeah. Um, what do you, you want to look at the pro stats? Do you have the pro stats? I do have them up. Yeah. yeah who, yeah. Who's throwing for more yards this season? You think pretty, pretty or Lance? Well, Lance, 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 Lance got injured in his second, like second. Lance game. got injured in his second game. Purdy has only been in two games, probably. I'd say Purdy has he's, he's appeared in four games. Really, he may have just done kneel downs in some other games or something. Mm-hmm. But. I'd say Purdy has more yards because I think the only game Lance was in was in that crazy, windy, rainy game against Chicago at Chicago. Yeah. Opening. So I would say Purdy has more yards. Purdy does have uh, um, eighty-two more passing yards this season. But Purdy has thrown two touchdown passes. Lance has not thrown one yet. So yeah, rating wise, Purdy seventy-six, Trey Lance fifty-five this season. Okay. Purdy has thrown two picks. Lance has only thrown one. Yeah. I guess you, you think of Lance. I guess Lance was drafted for his upside. Purdy probably was a safer pick. You think he's probably seen as a career backup. But yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I so, still yeah, think like, even if it is, it's going to come down to like, yeah, Purdy manages to take him to the playoffs and take him deep into the playoffs, then it will create this whole other controversy that you know wasn't there a week ago, right? Yeah, I think it's almost like the Nick Foles, Carson Wentz yeah. situation, but you have another. But you have a rookie instead of a veteran in full in in Purdy, mm. and but, it was, but like a week ago, the controversy was if Garoppolo takes the team deep into the playoffs, will they have to consider keeping him around long term? Maybe even trading Lance because he would have taken him deep into the playoffs this year, right? So, so now and now it's well, Garoppolo is injured, so he's probably done. In San Francisco, I would think they were trying to get rid of him last year. Now they have a reason to get rid of him. He's missed the end of the season. Yeah. If he, you know, if he doesn't come back. Yeah. And and then the whole controversy becomes, well, well, what if Purdy takes him deep into the playoffs? Now maybe he is a guy they need to consider as a starting quarterback if he if he actually, you know, leads the team well at the end of the season. So it's just interesting. It's an interesting problem to have where you know you have more than one person who's capable of doing the job. And you, whichever way you pick, you're still probably going to be relatively successful because you don't rely on that position. You already have a great running back. You've got a great defense. You know, you don't need, you've got some good wide receivers too. Like you don't really need the quarterback to be like one of the top five in the league. You just have to yeah, be, that's, that's one of the things that Shanahan has, has kind of wanted. He doesn't need a, a great quarterback. He just needs a kind of steady one but i guess he thought maybe lance could be a great one mm-hmm. but yeah that's an interesting issue i i, I see <laughs> if it's if purdy does well mm-hmm. i think and lance comes back and seems healthy i would say the 49ers would want to trade purdy mm-hmm. because they wouldn't want to like mess with lance's head that makes sense. And think they could get maybe a, a, a decent draft pick for Purdy, who's proven that he can be a, a solid NFL 
quarterback, if, if that's what happens. Um, yeah, that's an interesting issue. Because, like, you know, I guess they could, you, you wouldn't see them, I guess if they traded Lance, they'd just get pennies on the dollar mm-hmm. for him. For an, for an injured first round pick that hasn't performed. Yeah. And Purdy, you know, might, he, Purdy might just be a flash in the pan, but you could maybe at his all time highest value, you could maybe get a fourth round pick for him or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he takes him to like an NFC championship game. Yeah, you spend a seventh maybe, round pick. Maybe you get a yeah. second or third round pick for him, right? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe he's, maybe there's a, you know, I think, I think if, but I, I would say if Purdy has a future, long term future, I don't know if it's with San Francisco. I don't know if it's with San Francisco. It's kind of like kind of like Garoppolo. I don't think it's. I think I think they've invested too much in Lance. Yeah. And even if Lance doesn't turn out to be that great, I still think they think well, the 49ers are going to be okay anyway because they've been okay. Yeah. And even if Lance, like they, I think they could at least see Lance as like a Jalen Hurts type, who's not as good maybe as some of the other young quarterbacks around, but he's steady enough and he has, you know, he's. A decent passer, but he's a very good runner. I think, and the Eagles have done really well with their with Hertz. Um, maybe I'm underselling Jalen Hertz, but um, he's um, he's having a pretty decent season. They are, yeah. what eleven and one. So yeah, he's having a good season because the team is doing so well. Their defense is right. so good, <laughs> and also he's 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 leading a team that can run the ball very very well so when he yeah. so they haven't it's making the, the pass is very easy because uh right he's, he's been putting very good opportunities i don't think um you stick him in the chief's offense you know or something like that or you know switch swap mahomes with um hurts i think you see the eagles are 12 and 0 and the and the chiefs are probably five and seven something like that probably because I don't think he can make the th- throws and they don't have the personnel yeah. that can ha- help him thrive. They don't have the running backs. They don't have the... Yeah. Um, he fits well think, in the system they have. Yeah, they developed the system. So, Although, they, you know, the Eagles, you know, we wondered if they were actually as good as their record was, but they had a dominant win this week. 35-10 to 10 win over... Over the Titans. Yeah, the Titans have kind of faded after their um, strong... A, a, a sputtering start and they had a strong middle part of the season. Mm-hmm. Now they're sputtering again. Um, they don't have the um, big play ability. Their best um, wide receiver, Traylon Burks, first round draft pick. I think he got hurt again against the Eagles. If I'm right, if I'm right. Um, well, they're just so reliant on the run. Yeah, and if they get behind, it's it's going to be a long day because they don't really have the personnel to yeah to catch up. Get Burks had a, had a great touchdown catch against the Eagles, but then he probably got a concussion. Um, mm. On the helmet, yeah. So he yeah, it's um. So yeah, I don't yeah, I think the tit- the Titans are more, very one dimensional. I think. Partly the tit- the Titans kind of are the Eagles, but the Eagles have um, AJ Brown this year, and the Titans had him last year. Right. <laughs> so having AJ Brown there makes he's one of the top 
five receivers in the league. Maybe yeah. you have Tyreek, uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Debo. Maybe or do you mean they just NFC or, or the league? I don't NFL, think Debo hasn't yeah. been used yeah. that much this year. Yeah. Maybe Stephon Diggs. Maybe um, Diggs. Yeah, I think that would be. You know, you might say Waddle even. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. McLaurin for Washington's pretty good with having for having no quarterback. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I, DK Metcalf and Tyler Metcalf Lockett and, and and Lockett are, are pretty good. Or maybe not top five, but no, yeah, yeah. I guess know, you might say maybe the, the the Chargers have some two pretty good receivers, but I don't know if they're top five yeah. either. But um, yeah. But yeah, the, the Titans just don't they, they don't have a threat to pass right now. Devontae Adams and in, in oh, Devontae Adams, players. yeah. I forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Evans, Tampa. I think he's Evans has been hurt, hurt too much. Yeah. He's probably on the older side. What um what did you think about the uh the tie? What, what are your thoughts on tie games in the NFL? I should they go to a shootout like uh World Cup international soccer games, some kind of shootout instead of a <laughs> just ending in a tie? I think if it's a regular season game, it doesn't matter. No. I think it's a little like the World Cup group stage having a tie, it's not the biggest deal because you have you know it's it's you have multiple counts games. for your record, but it doesn't hurt as much as a loss. Yeah, you have multiple. But it doesn't. Games. It doesn't help as much as a. Win. But I think if the NFL ended playoff games with a field goal kicking competition after you know a few minutes of overtime didn't settle anything, that would, would be there, terrible. Would, would there be a civil war then? If that yeah, were the we new rule, do that. I don't know. It's it's it somehow fits this European sense of drama and theater that the 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 FIFA the the World Cup rules that to 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 like. Some international fans, it makes sense within soccer for some reason. I don't think it makes any sense. Um, I don't. I don't. I guess it's it's dramatic, but it doesn't. If you if you if you're the goal is to have the best team win or the better team win, I don't think it does that. It just it just kind of random, and there's psychological torment, I guess, in it. But like. Yeah. Is that what you more or less just forces a conclusion that that's really yeah it, somebody uh, has to win yeah and I think I would rather do we least... need that in the NFL in a regular season game as the no I don't think we do I think ties are rare enough and then I think they're funny enough that they kind of screw yeah. up the playoffs and a team that ties uh, sometimes gets in or doesn't get in uh, the playoffs because of that tie like the, yeah. the Steelers got in last year because they had that tie yeah. Um, but shouldn't they just play the whole fifteen minute period though? Why why do they play a shorter? Quarter? I don't like the ten. I don't I don't yeah. like the ten. I like I like I think fifteen makes more sense because that's what I don't I don't understand. I think ten minutes leads to it leads to more ties because uh, you have a shorter. Right, and I think there's already time. been more. Haven't, haven't there been more ties this season than there were last? Was there I one? Tie they've, last had, season? they've had the ten minute overtime uh, for. It's just been two three years. It hasn't been very long. 2017 was when they shortened overtime to 10 minutes. Was it that, that was a bit long ago. Wow. So let's see. Last year, 
there's been there's been two ties this year, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't have that up here. Okay, so tied games. Um, there have been seven ties from 2017 to 2022. So that's um, in six seasons. There have been seven. There was one. There was one tie last year. There was. There were two and none in 2017. Two in 2018. One each year 2019 through 21 and then two this year yeah um in the modified they introduced the modified sudden sudden death system in 2012 where the team that's it used to just be the team that scored first would win you know, yeah. field goal. then they, then in 2012 they said we have to have a touchdown mm -hmm. to win it outright um and so from 2012 to 2016, there were five ties. So one tie per year on average, two in 2016. But before that, um, from 1974 through 2011, there were only 17 ties. There were 494 overtime games, 17 ties. Because I, I don't remember them happening very often, if at all. I remember the Chiefs tied a game. I think it was Marty Schottenheimer's first year's coach. So, like, 1990? Uh, I think they tied the Cleveland Browns, 1989. 89, yeah. Oh, the Chiefs had two ties two years in a row. 1988, they tied the Jets, 17-17. That was, I think, during Frank one of Frank Gans's terrible seasons. Mm. They finished, like, 4-11-1 or something. Um, and then 1989, they tied the Browns and they finished eight, seven, and one that year, just outside the playoffs. But it was 10 to 10. I think Nick Lowry, yeah, Nick Lowry missed a bunch of field goals. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so they didn't have, like, there was, for example, the Chiefs tied in 1989. There, were, there weren't any ties until 1997. NFL went eight years without a tie. Um, and then they had two in uh, 97. Yeah. One in, one in 2002, one in 2008. And then once it went to the modified system, they had about one a year. And so they've still had about one a year, a little more than one a year. Yeah. Um, since the 10 minute period. The re remodified. <laughs> yeah. Remodified. Yeah. Like so that. over 30, in, yeah. In, before the modified, they had about. 0.5 ties per year from 1974 to 2011, 37 years, 17 ties, and then about one since the modified rules. So they've, they've so actually made it they've more like the number of ties. Yeah. Right. Maybe you said the outcome is more fair because it's not just a field goal, you know, to win it. You don't play for a field goal anyway. But I, but I think the 15, I, I, like, I like the modified with the 15 better. Than the ten minute. I don't like the ten. Or, or do you like the um the college rule where they like line up the twenty five and they start a drive there and the other team gets to go from the other twenty five? I I think the college game overtime have improved because they don't get they, it's just a series of two point conversions after a while now. Yeah, third um, third overtime. I think they start they have to go two point conversions, but sometimes they still go pretty deep into the into the overtimes like. I think that that was supposed to force uh, the overtimes to end faster, right? But it doesn't always. 
Um, but would you would you rather see that in the NFL than see a tie in the NFL? No, I don't. I don't mind ties in the regular season that much. No, we well, and you can't tie in playoffs, so they keep playing overtime periods until somebody wins, right? In the NFL, yeah. yeah. And then, but so this recent tie from this most recent week does have potentially a pretty major effect on playoff race because there was a division game against two teams that are contending for mm-hmm. division and wild card spots, right? With Washington and, and the New York Giants. I guess the just thing to happen would be that the Giants and uh, Commanders tie again in Next week. Washington. And then that would be like East team won one time. Right. <laughs> so the records would be a win. It would be two ties would be as good as a win and a loss. Yeah. Uh, so then, it, so then you could say, then I, I think it wouldn't affect the standings as much. So if we could, if yeah. we could get them to tie again, but yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't mind the tie if it's, it's kind of funny and it really just speaks to ineptitude on one or both teams that you do tie. Mm-hmm. Um, because they aren't risking enough to actually win it, probably. I'm going to assume that your favorite part of the story, though, is the uh, ESPN headline used the word flummoxed. Flummoxed. I do uh, like that word, flummoxed. Yeah, Giants commanders flummoxed by Ty amid playoff chase. I don't know if they were really flummoxed. I don't know if they were bewildered. I would say vexed would probably be a better word. Yeah. But I mean, I you don't think... need to see the word flummoxed appear in a headline very often, though, do you? No, you don't. I think but... I think I, th- I think vexed would be a better word okay. than flummoxed. I mean, they both have an X in it. I think flummoxed is more they were confused by the tie, and vexed means they were frustrated by the tie. And I think yeah. they were more frustrated than confused. I think I think there's a, there's some overlap between vexed and flummoxed, but I think. One leans more towards anger, frustration, and the other is more confused Even. frustration. Well, yeah. I don't think I think both teams knew the rules coming in. It wasn't like they, <laughs> they, they ended the game and like like they were what, what both, both surprised that the game yeah. ended in a tie. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe maybe that is the case. Maybe they didn't realize the game ended in a tie. <laughs> they were ready to continue playing. Yeah, if, they, if 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 they if that 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 goes to coaching probably if if, if both teams were flummoxed. I could I could see a Nathaniel Hackett. Um, Josh McDaniels uh, over time, <laughs> and you could maybe say the teams were flummoxed because <laughs> neither one realized how much time was left, or how yeah. many timeouts there were, or things like that. But I, it's Ron Rivera and um, Brian Dable, I think, are both decent coaches, and, and so you I don't. Think I think they have their uh, basic understanding of the rules of the game, at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I think so. I do like I do I do like the use of the word flummox, but yeah, I don't think it was quite used in the right sense. I remember seeing that headline actually, and I thought that's a little strange. But it's got an X in it, so it sounds cool. Yeah, they could have they could have used vexed, and I think that would have been more proper. But um, maybe there's a, maybe there's a I'm gonna look up flummoxed. Uh, maybe there's a, a one of the yeah. It's more confused, is what I see. Yeah, that sounds. I, I, that sounds right. 
confused, bewildered, baffled. You know, and that's a flummox. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vex is seen as a synonym, but it's more irritated or I think it's more of an irritated frustration. Set or yeah, frustrated. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would say. So there's, 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 there's yeah. Because you want to say, fr- I think you want frustrated rather than confused. You want, you want the frustrated half of it rather than the confused half went out. Um, maybe we've, we've uh, what, let's talk. Want to talk about our bets? <laughs> <laughs> we spent a lot of time on our uh, these, these power hours are getting longer rather than shorter. Yeah. Um, well, pretty soon they're just going to be all grammar based. I think we were talking about. Going <laughs> to critique headline writing. <laughs> um, maybe maybe, maybe that's a little more into over time. We don't we don't know. <laughs> so. Uh, we on, on together we had a 500 week we were three and three however you got the best of me you, you bettered me on this one you were two and one i was one and two my lone win was the um vikings victory over the jets i, I had the vikings minus three they won 22 to 17 it uh, the outcome was in doubt up until the final minutes because the jets could have scored a touchdown at the end to win they were driving but they threw in but mike white threw an interception um so I won that one. The Vikings are ten and two, but they're a pretty weak ten and two. Judging, especially since we'll see, we'll talk about the Lions next next week. They were actually um, road underdogs against Detroit uh, next week. So what five Vegas, wins of the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five and seven. Vegas does not see uh, Minnesota as being a strong good. team. Yeah, right. But they, they were strong enough for me on this day. They're the only team that won for me. It was uh, it was getting a little worrisome, I think, for you. When they, they did get inside the 20. The Jets had gotten inside the 20, at least anyway, close to the end of the second half. I think they did it twice, actually, where they could, if if they were going for a touchdown, I don't think they had, they thought that they would have enough time. They had to maybe kick a field goal, and then they got it again. They could have kicked another field goal to win it, probably. Yeah. But um, I I think both one or one time I think they're stopped on Dallas and one time they, they turned it over. I But yeah, they did they did make it interesting at least. So they, they were inside the 20 before time expired. Um that could have gotten scary. Were yeah, were you worried though? I was a little it, bit. Um but I was I was only but I I felt like well they're gonna they, they aren't gonna kick a field goal, which would really have fresh which would really have it. That would have both flummoxed and vexed and me vexed. because they got, they got down to the one on the previous possession. Yeah, they got down to the one on the previous possession. Yeah, and then they, yeah. Lost, they, they turned it over on downs or they fumbled. They I had, can't remember. They had three shots from the one yard line and were unable to score. No gain, up the middle run, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. Yeah, yeah, I remember Minnesota, that. Yeah. Minnesota Since, took over three and out. Turns out had burning timeouts for uh, yeah. uh, the Jets at the time. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the Jets had a, a short drive to get back inside the 20. Mm-hmm. So if they had kicked a field goal yes. from the goal line, they would have only needed a field goal. Of forced the, the three and out. Yeah, they would have. Yeah, they would have won. And they would have, they would have, been, but, but I would have been, I would have been vexed by that result. Because there were two, I would have been frustrated. Like, I, you know, the Vikings should have done better. But 
But if if they simply had kicked a field goal on their last drive, hoping for an onside kick and another miracle field goal, right. that would have flummoxed me because I would have I would have been bewildered. And I guess I also wouldn't have been vexed because they would they would have covered the spread. They would have only lost by two. And so um, yeah, that was that was my lone win, and it was it was a, a nail biter. Uh, what? Uh, how about your first bet? So um, I had my first bet was on the uh, Thursday night game. Um, I had a uh, Buffalo um, minus four at New England, and um, my assumption was that Buffalo was going to need to win that game. They wanted to win that game to keep pace in front of Kansas City with a chance to like take that one seed back. Um, it seemed as though they they did that they won pretty handily. Twenty four ten was the final. Uh, New England still can't find any offense, um, and that yeah. made it much easier for uh, I Buffalo, still think, Buffalo to cover their. The, I still think the Billy Zappi's the better quarterback in Buffalo, uh, but he's, he's, yeah, I don't I, think he's seen the field since. No, he hasn't for a, not been, since the Chicago game. I don't think when, when, they both when everyone seemed to be confused by what the game plan was and who's, who the quarterback yeah. was. Yeah, when, when they maybe they were flummoxed. Somebody and was and vexed. I think I think at least uh, some other fans might have been flummoxed, and commentators might have been flummoxed. But I think I think uh, Mac Jones was vexed, and perhaps flummoxed. But mm-hmm. um, combination of the two. Yeah, yeah. I I am I'm, I'm a little flummoxed by the, the lack of Bailey Zappi. Although I guess Mac Jones has been a little better, but. Mm-hmm. But they are not scoring points. They aren't scoring points. In any, did, any kind of volume that's going to lead to wins. That's the. And they did score points struggle. when Zappy was was behind under center. So that's right. I guess it's tough to score points against Buffalo. Buffalo's a good team. So that's. I think I think that was a solid bet. Yeah, it was a you know pretty easy win. It seemed like maybe at the end of the first half, I think um, New England could have kept it closer, but Buffalo mm-hmm. opened up a ten point lead, and then. They didn't even need to score in the third quarter, and it was, in, you know, really. Yeah, they only, there was only, yeah, there were only two scores in the second half combined. Yeah. So that was that was a solid win for you. Uh, my talk about the Chiefs last, I guess. My uh, yeah. my I also my I lost twice. This I think I was maybe you could say I was, I ended up being flummoxed, and vexed by. We're gonna have a counter now. How many times the, um, comes up in this episode? The the Browns Texans. The Browns were favored by seven. I bet I I, I took the Texans plus seven because I didn't think the Browns were gonna be that good. I thought the Texans might be up for a game against Deshaun Watson, their former team. Mm-hmm. I thought Watson might be rusty. It turned out all of that was right. And but what what I didn't count on was the fact that um. Houston's offense would turn the ball over twice, leading to direct touchdowns for uh, Cleveland, a fumble return touchdown and an interception return touchdown. And also uh, they, the uh, Cleveland special teams added a punt return touchdown. So they scored 21 points directly off of turnovers. Watson managed to lead the offense to only six points, two field goals. And I still lost by 13. And so I was, I guess I, I, I failed to cover by six points. And that was really only that close because the Texans scored a touchdown at the very end um, to mm. keep it, uh, uh, to keep it close. But um, 
Well, the, Watson was pretty um, out quarterbacked by who? Allen. Who? Yeah. yeah, to say who, who? Who even is Houston's quarterback? I was curious to see if you even knew who it was. Yeah. Although technically, Kyle Allen had a fifty-three point five quarterback rating, one touchdown, two picks. Deshaun Watson had a fifty-three point four quarterback rating, so it was it was pretty close. Um, Watson only threw one pick, but I guess he Watson had a little more rushing yards or whatever. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty game at all. But yeah, my instincts were right, but the unforeseen circumstances. You somehow didn't predict all these defensive and special team scores. Awarded. My my model was was off. So far came off. That. How did you not get that, Mike? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I. I um, how about your second? Um, my second pick was I did the um, over under on the Miami at 49ers game. Uh, it was 46 and a half. I, th- I expected that game to be a shootout. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a shootout from the very first play of the game. Miami had a uh, long touchdown pass uh, just to kick off the game anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it got a little worrisome when uh, Garoppolo went down with an injury on their first mm-hmm. possession. But uh, yeah, Brock Purdy played well enough and the defense was strong enough and and uh McCaffrey had enough uh, rushing yards to uh you know to uh for for San Francisco to win the game and I think they got to 50 points 50 30, points 30, yeah 33 17 seemed like it wasn't quite a shoot it was a shootout on one side uh yeah. thought Miami would be a little more shooting do a little more shooting um but yeah they only got 17 and yeah so that that, that made it a little closer uh maybe or I thought the game was was it was more lopsided than I had thought coming in. I thought I still thought San Francisco was going to win, but I also thought um, I thought I was thinking maybe it more of a 34-27 type of game. Yeah, and yeah, so this but you but you, but you uh, covered. It was enough to get over the forty-six and a half. They got to fifty, so good enough. You want to talk about your third bet? Then we can talk about the Chiefs a little bit, and then sure. My third bet, third, third bet was the disappointing for me at least anyway. Um, Monday night game, uh, I had Tampa minus three and a half. Uh, Brady did lead the team back with two late touchdowns um, to win the game, but by only a single point. So I, I came up a field goal short in my bet and and my shot at getting to five hundred. Um, mm-hmm. I was very much hoping that uh, Tampa would uh, get the touchdown. Miss the extra point, then go to overtime and try to get a touchdown to win it, just to cover the bet. I don't care if they win or not. But do, do you f- do you feel like you were flummoxed or vexed by Taysom Hill this time because he got he, a he touchdown had, for the first time the in several weeks? Yeah. He was used as a passer. He's one for one as a quarterback for twenty-one yards. He mm-hmm. ran three times. Uh, he also caught two passes, including. One long touchdown catch, thirty-yard touchdown pass. Yeah. So, um, done yeah. in by Taysom Hill. Done in by Taysom Hill. I I think it was more done in by the um the very poor Tampa offense. I don't I don't know what they were yeah. doing for most of the game. <laughs> I'm less concerned with the Taysom Hill thing. Okay. Well, I, I wanted to. If, they, if I wanted... you had lost the bet, they would have been. It would have been all Taysom Hill. That. Yeah. Somehow Jordan Love would have made his way into that probably as well. Now yeah. it's. Um, I can't think of my most uh, confused. I, Trey Lance might enter that um, world as well if you know if if 
you know, these certain things come to pass for the 49ers. But, yeah. um, I, yeah, I, it's, it's one of those things where certain players, you don't know why they're coveted in the way that they are. Yeah. And, um, one thing I guess that was a surprise was that uh, we we're talking about speaking of uh, Jordan Love, he didn't start. It was it was Aaron Rodgers, and also it wasn't Trevor Simeon starting for the Bears. It was just the yeah. So it was just what uh, you know people would have guessed at the beginning of the season who was who were the starting quarterback. So it turned out to be yeah. a much less interesting game uh, than you had wanted, but maybe a more I guess a better played game uh, between the Packers yeah. and Bears, but still, um, it still was pretty ugly. Yeah, but the Packers are still holding on to their very, 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 very slim playoff hopes. And but but are the winningest franchise in NFL history now? Yeah, and the Bears have been eliminated from playoff contention and are down to number two. Yeah, so I guess that was a big win for uh, the. And he can yeah because Rogers has the own. The Bears, right? That's the one team that he owns. Yeah. Most of the other teams seem to own Aaron Rodgers lately. Detroit, <laughs> Minnesota. Um, it's not gone so well recently. Yeah, it's not gone well recently for the Chiefs against the Bengals. They've lost three consecutive games, each by a field goal. Uh, and that and that wasn't one. Your, one, that one your in the final pick too, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was my pick. One in the final game of the regular season last year, one in the AFC Championship game, and one in this very important game for home field advantage where the Chiefs off to a slow start. They had a slow finish and had a fumble that really turned momentum toward uh, Cincinnati when maybe they could have gone up for the maybe, you know, score that would have put, put Cincinnati away. They would, would have gone up 11 with about seven, probably less than seven minutes to play. And um, Kelsey fumbled. It was a a play where I think you had said it could have been whistled dead. As for you've seen it, you've seen those plays whistled dead. Seen it many the, times. Yeah. Um, but not 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 this time. Yeah. And it was just one of those weeks they kicked a field goal or tried to kick a long field goal when maybe going for it would have been better, even that they thought um, Mahomes was injured a little well, bit. He kind of came up. A little bit Indeed. limping, and uh, yeah, it may have been that Reed was a little worried about that and didn't want to risk a fourth down attempt, I, even though they're now eighty percent fourth down conversion know, rate. Yeah, that, that field goal was one of those was on a best, probably one of those on a fake punt too. Wasn't one of those fourth down plays on a fake punt? Yeah, the one that they missed. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's like one of their. They've only missed two fourth down attempts. Yeah, Tommy Towns an incomplete pass, I think. Yeah, they they in ill advised in, in an ill advised like uh, opportunity too. Wasn't yeah, it, wasn't it was sort of a fluke trip up of Mahomes too from behind, where he usually makes those, and he was going to get a first down, but he got tripped up barely from behind, and that mm-hmm. must have it seemed like it hurt his ankle or something. Yeah, and and then there were weird call, play calls down at the goal line where Mahomes is split out wide. McKinnon is like that doesn't Probably fool anybody like. You know, like they're gonna have a, if they want to throw it to Mahomes, like that's like you have a worse passer throwing to a worse receiver. Yeah. And unless there's like a lot of misdirection and things like that, it's not gonna. I guess maybe it's surprised. I don't know. It was there were lots of and it, that forced Mahomes to really um, put himself in harm's way again, trying to get that fourth down touchdown um, that he just barely got over the line. 
Um, if he didn't, you know, it's very possible that he wouldn't have gotten that and they would have kind of, I don't know why it was zero, no points there. So it's, I think the Chiefs need to find a way to protect Mahomes and also throw, you know, find some receiving targets that um, aren't just Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And I think Juju going out for a lot of the game hurt, um, having no Hardman, no Tony, who mm-hmm. are the sort of game breakers. Those deep, those like speedster deep threats are just not, they're just not there right now. They're just not healthy. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just uh, Valdez Scantling and he's, he drops as many as he catches, it seems like. Yeah. He made two very, he made a couple really good, good catches, catches, but he dropped a couple. He dropped one really bad. In the, other in the end zone. Was, yeah. And then well, the other one was broken up in a good play. Yeah. But um, yeah, he doesn't always come down with the ball. He so. seems to drop one pass that he definitely should have caught in yeah. <laughs> yeah i guess we were complaining about hardman not catching everything either before but yeah i think the speed of hardman and the speed of tony when we had tony healthy mm-hmm. were, were really added extra dimensions to the offense well it's at least the threat of that that may pull another defender towards the threat and may open up lots of other things underneath because they don't they don't really do a whole lot of screen passes right now no they don't have any of those like kind of gadgety plays like yeah they just they do some to mckinnon mckinnon ran the ball pretty well when he got a chance yeah although he ran right into eric uh into wiley on that one running play and that cost him and that cost him a touchdown i think yeah field goal um and it was strange yeah the, the chiefs were favored by two and a half they lost by three so that was my third my second loss Mm-hmm. Um, last week, I don't, I don't know if we want to rehash any more of the Chiefs game, but now they're nine and three, tied with Buffalo. But Buffalo has the home field, has the uh, tiebreaker advantage, so Buffalo's number one seed. Chiefs are down to number two. Yes. Coming, I guess we could say the Chiefs' schedule from here on out is much easier than Buffalo's. That's the, mm-hmm. Buffalo will have to lose one of those games for the Chiefs to have a chance. Right, and, and Buffalo is more than capable of winning all the games. Mm-hmm. As long as they're able to show up for all of them and everything, right? Yeah. I guess it's possible you might say that being a number two seed has an advantage because you get to play the weakest of the playoff teams. Mm-hmm. And that's probably like the Jets or somebody. The Chiefs might get, like, they had the Steelers at home last last year. So the mm-hmm. Steelers were not good. It was almost like a walkover. And then you get the team, then you won't have, and you won't have to play the team that upsets one of the favorites mm-hmm. on the road. Um, as the second team, like the Titans had to play the Bengals second round. I guess yeah. the Chiefs had to play the Bills, which was probably a harder game. They won. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I think number two, if if you can make it through that 2-7 game fairly easily, mm. sometimes the way the things shake out, um, being number two might be better than number one, given the way the NFL seeding works as opposed to... Mm. Well, and the, and the Chiefs have hosted an AFC championship game when not being the one seed. Yeah, right. So they, they were, they've they've found a way to like end up. Hosting I, thought, game. I think they've only been the one seed once. The one of the four. One of the four. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't the year they won the Super Bowl. That was the year they lost the Super Bowl. Yeah. But yeah, so like right now, like so. Um, the Chiefs as the number two seed 
they would play the Jets at home, which I think mm-hmm. would be an easy winner. Um, three versus six would be Baltimore and Miami. Miami at Baltimore. Five four would be Cincinnati at Tennessee. So you might say, well, you think probably Cincinnati will beat Tennessee. Baltimore will beat Miami. And if you're the number two seed, you would play Baltimore rather than Cincinnati. I think Baltimore's not as good as the Bengals are. I think with a real risk, though, from, from Kansas City's perspective comes in is the Bengals are likely to take their division lead mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. And then, yeah. and then the Chiefs, if they drop another game and the Bengals don't, then we'll fall behind them, too, yeah. and into the three spot, which still isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, they're, they should be able to beat any team in the field it doesn't yeah. it shouldn't make any difference it would probably require two road so, wins in the playoffs rather than just one you're gonna have to win on the road yeah unless there is like even more upsets in the playoffs probably in cincinnati team. and in buffalo yeah so yeah, yeah if you have to choose you don't want that route to the super bowl well would you want to talk more about we can talk more about football 14, week 14 coming up since you've been talking about the future. Do you want to take a little break and talk about uh, baseball for a second? Well, it's, um, let me just say real quick that the um, okay. where where we are uh, oh, yeah, in yeah. the competition. Um, so now through week uh, 13, you are 17 and 22 minus, minus 500. 500. And I'm now 18 and 20 and one with the one push minus 200. Minus two hundred. So you've so I've taken a bit of a lead now. You're on. You're 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 getting closer and closer to five hundred. I've I've moved a little bit away the last couple of weeks from five hundred. I've lost. Yeah. I've been one and two consecutive weeks. So yeah. I need to. Uh, Got to pick that really, up. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now let's talk about baseball. Sorry, that'd be yeah, jumped a gun. What's what's new in the world of baseball, Andrew? So there were there were a couple of big. Um, stories i guess reason one one is a royal story maybe we just knock that one out real quick okay royals have uh signed pitching coach a pitching and, coach and an assistant pitching coach which wasn't a position they had before so they are going all in on, on an analytics approach um picking up the bullpen coach from cleveland brian sweeney mm-hmm. and the was it the Assistant, assistant um, pitching coordinator. Pitching coordinator from Minnesota, Zach Bove. Yeah. Uh, he was also up for the Mets bullpen coach vacancy this offseason. So I guess I don't know if assistant pitching coach is higher than bullpen coach. I'm not too, I don't know if the, do the Royals have a bullpen coach. Um, and it's just assistant. So, but I'm not sure. Or is just assistant pitching coach the same thing as the bullpen coach? No. I'm not sure. I, it's, I think they, more or less have created a new position to be you know so that they can that they can tackle trying to develop an entire franchise worth of of pitching prospects because they have not done that very well in the past okay so, so it says trying to like get more out of what they already have first and then you know use a more analytics analytics approach to trying to develop you know get more out of their current players. I think that's a really cool. It says Larry it like Carter. A, a nice change, at least, from what they've been doing. Yeah. Larry Carter is the bullpen coach, apparently. Okay. I don't know who Larry Carter is. Um, no, don't know. 
I remember the uh, bullpen catcher used to be our former high school gym coach. Yeah, Bill Selby. Bill Selby. Yeah, he was drafted by the Mets, I believe, at one point. All right. He played minor league baseball. Um, but Larry Carter was promoted as bullpen coach before the 2020 season. So I don't know if he'll still be around as the bullpen coach. He'll stay into the new. Mm. But, you know, or maybe the assistant pitching coach will become the bullpen coach. But he's still listed on the Royals staff as um, Carter played very, he played a little bit in the majors. Mm. Um, he had a one in five record, 21 strikeouts, played for the Giants in 1990, mm. 1992, September call. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I guess that's good. Um, the, uh, one of the other uh, big stories was the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, picking uh, Fred McGriff, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, who played for about eight or nine different teams, it seems like, over his long career, um, as the only representative from the uh, Contemporary Committee or whatever it was called. Contemporary was the, Era Committee, yeah. Contemporary Era Committee uh, as a Hall of Famer. What do you think of McGriff's selection? And do you think anybody was left off who should have been put in? Well, I remember Fred McGriff pretty fondly from the uh, Braves days from the 90s, I guess. That was when when I remember him, at least, anyway. I, uh, I remember probably most from those Tom Amansky baseball instructional videos. Oh, where yeah. He was, These are the videos. These are the videos to get results. Yes. Major League Baseball player Fred. He had that high hat. He had that, like, really high hat. Um, yeah, right, right. Yeah, the crime dog though. Crime dog. I I think it's fine. I I, yeah. I wouldn't. I never thought of him as a really really great player. Um, he had something four hundred ninety three home runs, not quite five hundred. Um, he had a he was a great hitter. I don't hmm. know what he if he did a lot. He. I think I mentioned this off the air. He reminded me, he played a position unlike Harold Baines, but he reminded me kind of of Harold Baines, somebody who was very consistent and solid, but maybe not somebody who was a superstar every year. Um, He he had 30 or more homers for five different franchises, though, Mike. Is that that impressive? do Do you know what his record for home runs in a year was. Did he did he ever hit 40? No, he never hit 40 home runs. Yeah. 37 was his highest. But, but on remember, a, 37 would have been the Royals team record until that's true. Like three seasons ago. <laughs> well, that's true, but you'd say, well, the Royals haven't had any Hall of Fame power hitters either. Yeah. Um, he he had a yeah, very a couple long of famers, but not uh, not home run hitters really. Yeah, he played 19 years. He had a very long career. He was known as a, a home run hitter. I think he was very good, but he was he was very bad at defense. Um, he had minus 17 defensive WAR over his career, playing various positions, um, and. Really, he was a DH. He was in the National League. Are you saying that maybe he should have been 
watching some of those instructional videos? <laughs> I think, um, yeah, maybe. Maybe he should have been trying to throw the baseball into the uh, trash can uh, at yeah. home plate. Yeah. Like Tomansky's players. Um, but I don't know if any of Tomansky's players made the, made the majors. I don't know. McGriff did, he did end up with um, twice as many votes as Don Mattingly on the list of contemporary players that had not been, that had fallen off the ballot for the traditional Hall of Fame voting. Don Mattingly, Kurt Schilling, Dale Murphy, Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Rafael Palmero were the other well, players that got votes. Bonds, Clemens, and Palmero were super steroid guys, so they weren't going to get in. Bell, Bell was probably questionable about that as well. Yeah, he also had a term, but and he Schilling. had a shorter career Schilling too, too than this other guy. Schilling became a, just a jerk. Yeah. Or but was he, a jerk. He had, he had a steroid um, questions though, I think too, around his career, especially towards the end. I think had he not become this kind of right-wing blowhard, he would be in the Hall of Fame because of what he did for the Red Sox. Mm, the bloody sock. That's yeah. already in the Hall of Fame yeah. anyway, right? So Albert Bell didn't make, because he only played for 12 years. I think also, you could say his. Although I uh, believe he, he's still being paid, though, is he not? Is that Bobby Bonilla you're thinking of? No, I think I'm pretty sure Bell had a, he had another one of those long contracts. Oh, did he? But yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, so Bell only played for 12 years. He retired at age 33, but in those 12 years, he had 381 home runs, almost 100, uh, just 100 or a little over 100 fewer than McGriff, who played for 19 years. So, and I I think. McGriff, I don't know. I, th I think Bell was a better player in his prime than McGriff was. I really think Don Matt. I'm surprised Don Mattingly hasn't made it. I think Mattingly, um, yeah, is especially during his prime was perhaps the best player in baseball. You could say he won MVP in 1985. He was he hit you know for average. He hit for power. He was you know the Yankees didn't win while he was there, so maybe that penalizes him. And he had a fairly short career, but I think you could say he was one of the best players in baseball when he was at his peak. I don't think you can say that about Fred McGriff. Yeah. And so that's why I would say that his Hall of Fame status is, I think he's a Hall of very good, but not fame. Um, I would say Matting was a better player in his prime, but he didn't last as long as but. He also didn't win a championship, and that's what some of those voters tend to like rely heavily on that for. I guess McGriff won one with Atlanta, I think, right? Atlanta was he won at Atlanta? Yeah, ninety ninety five. Yeah. So for Atlanta that year, ninety five, he had twenty seven home runs, ninety three RBI, solid season. Um, but his best years were with uh. Toronto and then um, San Diego early in his career. And he just kind of held on and was a serviceable power hitter. But yeah, bad in the field. I don't know. I just, I just, I think I'm happy for Fred McGriff. And I think it seems like probably he may not have been one of those uh, steroid guys, but even, even so, I think, you know, think of the outfield that the Blue Jays had in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. You had Jesse Barfield, you had George Bell, Lloyd Mosby. I think McGriff, he was maybe younger than those guys a little bit, but 
don't yeah. know if he was as good as any of those those yeah. three uh, at um, at their at their height. You know, um, yeah. It's it's, but he was younger. Um, I don't know. I just it just uh, we I yeah. He he left the Blue Jays right when the Blue Jays won the World Series a couple of times. So um, yeah. I don't know. I I get it, but um, yeah. I also think the steroid hate is played at this point. Why not? Yeah. So those, those some of those other guys are probably like locked out more or less until I think Palmero like, was the same player basically as McGriff. Yeah, uh, he had more hits and more home runs, but he was also a guy that was never the best. Mm-hmm. He was just long term, remarkably consistent. And then as his career went on later, he got more and more power, uh, forty yeah. plus home runs. So that was the recent. But like, had he not? Um, yeah. Well, then he had he had that weird like testimony. At, yeah, that, uh, it was really damning in front of Congress. That was not very good. Uh, the weird thing about Bell's contract was that um, was that he signed a big contract, five year, sixty five million dollar deal, and he got hurt. Where he was already hurt, I think when he signed it, he had that hip problem. He only made it partway through the contract, and the the Orioles ended up keeping him um, on the roster, on the active roster just to get the insurance policy to cover mm-hmm. his contract so they didn't have to they didn't have to like pay it out without having anything um you know having the responsibility the financial responsibility for for him so they, they released him they would have just had to pay him forever basically a lot of money for not playing at all but yeah if they, if they kept him on the active roster and put him on the injured list then they could get an insurance policy to, to like pay out the contract that's that was the weird thing about his um, not like the Bobby Bonilla one. I thought I was thinking it was similar to that, where they paid him out over like sixty years or something like that to like finish his salary out without having to pay him that amount of money, be responsible for it at least anyway. So that was that. Um, so Don, but Don Mattingly does have some interesting records. Okay, he has a record for the most home run. For home runs in the most consecutive games Ooh. of any player. Actually, he's tied. He's tied with the major league record. How many consecutive games did Don Mattingly hit a home run in? If that's a major league record, it's going to be... So I'll say seven. Eight. This is in 1987. Um, he hit home runs in eight consecutive games. He actually hit 10 home runs in those eight games. Wow. Um, the National League record was made by Dale Long, who I've never heard of, uh, 1956 for Pittsburgh. Mm. Um, he only hit eight. He hit one, exactly one home run in each of those games. Yeah. Uh, he actually only had eight career home runs. It was those eight. <laughs> Man, yeah, uh, Dale Long hit a total of 132 home runs no, over, that's, over a 10 that's year funny. But 1956, he had 27 home runs. Eight of them happened to occur in that span. Wow. Don Mattingly only hit 222 home runs in his career. After 1989, his career really tailed off for home runs. Um, so maybe that was part of he was he wasn't the player he was early in his career, and I think that was held against him. But I still think of him as a great player. Um, but um, oh, I, I was speaking of Don Mattingly, I was also thinking of the 1980s baseball stat that was kept in the 1980s. This was on back of baseball cards and things like that. And this was a really dumb kind of stat, but it was seen as a measure of a person's 
clutchness, and that was game-winning RBIs. And it was the person who, who batted in the run that ended up winning the game. But the game-winning RBI could occur in the second or third inning, and it would still count as a game-winning yeah. RBI because you know, oh, they went up three to one and they lost and they won the game three to two. Uh, and so that was the game-winning RBI back in the thing. Who they, they um, do keep that stat in hockey? That's a fairly important stat. Game-winning goal in hockey, they still keep I, that now. But. Yeah, that's still kind of a weird. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. it's a maybe a little better, but not. Yeah. I, don't know, I still think of it as kind of a lame stat. That's kind of silly. Yeah. Who for making eighty to eighty-eight? Which player? Um, it's a national. I'll say it's a national. It's a National League player Ooh. who played in the National League his entire career. Um, at least from 80 to 88, he played in the National League. Um, which who had the most game winning RBIs? Okay. So further I, I have I have a guess. Okay. In the National League, when you said National League, it, it uh, refined my guesses from three different guesses to one. So we'll have to see if it's right. But I will okay. say Robin Yount. Not Robin Yount. Oh. Robin Yount played. Robin Yount played for the Brewers, but that was when the Brewers. Oh, were in the American, American League then, though. Yeah. So I was wrong on a technicality before it even started. Oh man. So '80s National League player. How about Tony Gwynn? It's not Tony Gwynn. No. Um. Want 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 a hint? Sure. It turns out he did play one season in the American League, hmm. and that was in 1990 when he played for Cleveland. But his other, he split his time basically kind of half between two teams. Um, he's more famous probably for his second team, but he won an MVP playing for the first team. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I'll give you another. We won two World Series, one for each team. Oh. National League MVP in 1979 for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, now I'm not even thinking the 80s Cardinals stars. Well, he left in the early 80s. Then he became yeah. a star for so for another team. I think. Um, no, I don't I know. Most, probably most famous for appearing on Seinfeld. Oh. Well, then, so there's just a few then. That narrows it down a lot. Oh, was it? Was there a famous, uh, a famous play around him then? No, that was not him. Oh, what was his name? Kevin Keith? Mm-hmm. Keith Hernandez. Yeah. Keith Hernandez. I was also going to say kind of the counterpart to Mattingly's first baseman he was first baseman for the Mets when Mattingly was first baseman for the Yankees and yeah um he won the MVP in 1979 for the Cardinals but also very famous for the game six of the uh and playing in for the New York Mets yeah he briefly became uh Jerry's friend uh and also Elaine's love interest why uh why do they stop being friends though Mike you want uh, uh Keith wanted to help wanted Jerry to help him move and that was a little too much. And but Newman and Kramer, who had been sworn enemies of Keith Hernandez, because I thought Hernandez spit on them. <laughs> the mad, the magic loogie. Nice game, pretty boy. 
Mets Phillies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who who was it that was actually responsible for the Mets? Roger McDowell. <laughs> because yeah. they dumped because they had dumped beer on McDowell's head while he was sitting in the bullpen. <laughs> They've been taunting him the entire game. <laughs> Heckling. <laughs> there were there were a few other players that appeared. Yeah, mostly were all Yankees players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One former Royal. Danny Tartable. Danny Tartable. Um, that was the game where George was trying to drive him to the telethon, and he felt like the guy on the turnpike uh, flipped him off, but it turned out he was wearing a cast uh, that <laughs> only left his middle finger exposed. So. Yes. And that was also the episode where Mr. Pitt was eating a candy bar with a uh, knife and fork. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, those were good. Those, those were good days. Um, and Derek Jeter was on briefly. Paul O'Neill, of course, was was approached by Kramer to hit so two, two home runs. runs. <laughs> two home runs. Come on, he's not even a home run hitter. And then when he sold the card, the the, the birthday card back. Uh, those Paul O'Neill had to catch a catch a fly ball in his hat uh, the next game. Uh, <laughs> we don't know if that ever happened, but he yeah. only he had a triple on it. He had a triple on an error and then a real home run. So yeah, the um, kid got really upset too, didn't he? he? Did. <laughs> yeah. That kid who was in the sick bed was also he had played another kid earlier in the episode earlier in the series. He played like a kid in a soap opera, and Mickey, uh, the little person that was Kramer's friend yeah. was the um stand-in for him for the lighting and then the kid kept growing so uh, Mickey ended up putting uh um lifts in his shoes and that became a big sticking point because uh you don't want <laughs> you can't do that as a as a little person and oh. <laughs> wow yeah did you see that episode uh I mean I've seen it probably but I don't remember, yeah. I remember that part though yeah yeah <laughs> hmm, hmm. Kramer, yeah, yeah. And some hmm. good I love, he and Kramer were a good were, were a good pair. Big and, big and little. Big and little is always funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's always good. <laughs> Any more baseball? Yo, uh, one more quick story. A couple big free agent signings and a question then for you. Uh Justin Berlander signed a two-year 46, 47 million dollar deal uh to go to the Mets. Um, Jacob DeGrom signed a five-year, $147 million. No, two, two year $86 million. 86, year. sorry. 40, $43 million a year. 43 a year, yeah. $86 million, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, DeGrom, five-year, roughly $150 million uh, to go to the Rangers. Um, and uh, Trey Turner signed an 11-year, $300 million deal to go to the Phillies. Of those three contracts, which do you think is most likely to complete the contract? I think it's just the shortest one. I think Verlander, Only two years. years. Um, he's he's got, he's going to be forty years old next year, but he just pitches this year forty and forty one season. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think he'll complete it. He's kind of a horse and has. Um, he, is gonna... he missed some games recently. Did he miss? He missed like a bunch in one year, didn't he? Yeah, he had like a blip in the middle of his career where he didn't. Um, well, he didn't pitch at all in 2021. Yeah, I think he missed that year with, with uh, Tommy John, right? And then 
and he had COVID, and then there's the COVID year. Yeah. He only played one game in um, 2020. Yeah. But he had, and he had full seasons every other year, pretty much. Mm. Um, his but he had a he had he had one injury, I guess in 2015. It looks like for yeah. Detroit, but he's been durable every other year. It seems like. Um, well, in the 2021 season. Other than 21, 21, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's won the, the last two full seasons he's pitched. Mm-hmm. He's won the Cy Young Award. Cy One point seven five ERA last year, eighteen and four. So I don't. Yeah. I, I, this is one of those things where, as well, is Verlander, uh, you know, juicing. His career looks a lot, an awful lot like Roger Clemens's career. Yeah. Where Clemens was really great phenom, and then he kind of had a cooling off period, and then as he got older, he got really good again. It's really what we see with. So, so the difference being, with like certain pitchers like um, John Smoltz, who like went to the bullpen and figured out how to have a different career afterwards, or mm-hmm. or Greg Maddox, who became like a masterful pitcher, but not throwing very hard as he aged. Verlander has somehow increased his velocity as he has aged. Yeah. That is usually not how things go, Mike. I know. So that's the he had a really he had a really fast fastball when he was younger, and then it yeah. dropped off and then it went up again. So I don't know if he has lost it or if there's something else going on, but he has been a very productive, very solid at the minimum and then like a superstar when he's really on um so again he's only got two years Degrom, i think is he's younger he's like 30 he's 34 now i think he was much older than we thought he was mm-hmm. um but he's been he hasn't pitched much the last few years so he is 30 he's 34 right now yeah and so he'd be 39 when he finishes so younger than um Verlander is now, but I I would say that Verlander is more likely to finish. And Turner would also be about forty when he finishes his contract. I don't know if he plays another eleven years. So I, I would say I would say Verlander. As to which contract I'd, I'd rather have, yeah, I guess also Verlander because it's off the books in two years. So it's a lot more money though per year. Yeah, but it, it's you think well I'm going to get a top pitcher million. for yeah. two years. He's going to you know. But he's, would, he's essentially replacing a top pitcher who just left in Degrom, and I guess um, you think also he's going to be healthy where Degrom wasn't, and mm, that's, that's a, the that's gamble. Yeah. How about you? What would you? Which one would you rather have? I don't. I don't see how Verlander is still doing what he's doing. One, but uh, um, I don't. I don't know. I guess from from your um, the same thing you just mentioned anyway. He's out faster, so it's fine. It'd be better to get rid of him quicker. Um, I understand that. I don't. I don't know how he's going to make the value to the Mets that his contract is worth. I, well, I guess if you think the Mets you can... almost made the playoffs last year, they had they they fell apart. You think maybe they could have gone to the World Series because they saw the Phillies do that. Mm-hmm. The Phillies took the Mets playoff spot, and the Phillies ended up going to the World Series and actually challenged Houston. So maybe you think, well, Verlander will put us over the top, and we can win a World Series for the first time since. But they still have to get by the Phillies, who just spent less money per year Great on a guy who plays every single day instead of every fifth game. Yeah. So 
I don't I don't see how he brings more value than Trey Turner brings to um Philly. I guess you could say the Mets aren't done. Maybe maybe they sign Carlos Correa or somebody who is better than Turner. Yeah. But it seems to me that that um players go to the Mets on big contracts and don't live up to those yeah. deals. Yeah. You remember Joe Johan Santana or or, or he got hurt. You know, they have star crossed uh um well the, the best well. players they've had in recent times were like the players that led them to the World Series in 2015, right? Mm-hmm. Um, were guys that they were homegrown talent that came up from the minor league system that actually made them interesting, like Matt Har- Matt Harvey and and yeah. Integram and and Cindergard mm-hmm. and um, you know those, those seem to be the guys that uh, they had the most success with at least anyway. I don't think they've had that much success with um, with actually going out and spending huge amounts of money on guys because they've they've gotten pretty big in the contracts in the last couple of years because they just brought in Scherzer too on a big deal. Well, uh, they did. So they I, did I don't see in... how they, I don't see how they're going to get the value of what they're what they're what they're spending on some of these players. Yeah, so they, like you know, Daniel Murphy was one of their homegrown players. Uh, they did bring in Curtis Granderson mm-hmm. towards the end of his career. Um, Kadir that they had brought in from the Twins. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a few players, but yeah, there were, but most of their were, guys. Those weren't guys they went and spent like this kind of money on. Yeah, David Wright was had been there for a long time. Mm. Um, it was sort of the tail end of his career. He had lost his stuff for injuries, but he played in the playoffs. But the, the Mets just aren't the Yankees. Like they don't, they don't seem to have that ability to go get the big name free agent. And then have them perform to like the level that like yeah. the you know two thousands Yankees you know got. That's true. So, you know when they when they would go out and get you know trade for Alex Rodriguez and and have them actually perform and then they would win championship games right so it's uh you know they're not the the Mets aren't the Yankees I don't I don't. I just don't see how they can get value. $46 million worth of value from Verlander. Yeah, but it's only two years. <laughs> right. Right. But that's like six years of, a, 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 you know, maybe a, a younger but more talented player. Maybe, but yeah. I, I mean, don't know. He's but a you're name really defining your, win- your window for what your expectation to try to win a championship is like right now. And if they don't win it right now, then it's a big waste. Yeah. Well, speaking of championships, right now we have two of them going on or going on in the next month. One is the college football playoff. We'll talk. Want to talk briefly about the CFP? Do you have? Maybe we'll just go through the team. So uh, there was a little bit of chaos in the last week of the season since USC was number four in the, in the playoff coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost to Utah fairly handily in the Pac-10, Pac-12. So their second, their, their second loss. Their second loss. Pac-12 championship. Yeah. Um, Utah had already two or three losses, so they weren't in it. Um, we also had TCU, which was undefeated in third place in the ranking system. They lost in overtime and very kind of very, very, very close game, mm-hmm. even even for overtime purposes, a close game, um, a game of inches uh, to K-State. Um, and it turns out, well, TCU didn't fall out of the top four. They stayed at number three because USC lost. And Ohio State entered as number four. 
perhaps they entered as number four because um, they didn't want a Michigan Ohio State semifinal since they had just played. Right. They, want, like, they would say, well, maybe we want to leave it to the fun to the final. Uh, if, Should if they both happened. advance? Right. Yeah. Um, and so the only two undefeated teams have are Michigan and Georgia is number one, Michigan number two. Um, who do you like in the CFP championship? I, I fully expect to see um, Georgia and Michigan in the final game. And I think Michigan's going to roll TC because I don't think they are nearly the team that, that Michigan is. Uh, and yeah, so that, that's my expectation. I, and I think, I, I think Georgia will win, but I will kind of root for Michigan as well. That's what, that's my. I, yeah. And I, I would say even the Georgia's number one, I think Ohio state is also probably better than TCU. I would say Ohio state has a better chance of beating Georgia than mm-hmm. And so I would see, I see probably also a Georgia, Michigan, and I would like to see Michigan win. And I think Michigan could win because I don't think the SEC has been as tough and Georgia hasn't been as tested as years past because they haven't played Alabama in the championship. They haven't, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Florida was down this year. Tennessee was good, but the SEC was kind of weak in the, uh, especially the East. So Mm -hmm. um, LSU was a fairly weak Western division winner. Um, I'm glad that Alabama didn't make the top four. Yeah. I kind of expected year. them to end up sneaking in there when I, I saw so. when, when TCU was losing that, you know. Yeah, I think because they lost so, so close, it was essentially a tie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I, 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 so I, I, yeah, I, like you, I think really two teams kind of have shown themselves as being the class especially because Michigan beat Ohio State so so handily. Right. And so if, if that had been a close game, I would say, well, it's really just a toss-up. But it was in, it was in Columbus. Um, Michigan is, seems like they're, they've got a really good offense, strong defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia has the same. I think, um, I think you know, so, I don't, I, yeah, it should be a interesting. At least there's some, a little bit of a few different teams in it this year. At least TCU is completely right. different. Um Ohio State and Michigan both, I think that's an interesting element. And I think not seeing Alabama, even if Georgia's in it again. Yeah. No Clemson either. I'm tired of Clemson. Yeah. Um, I really don't like Davos Swinney. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, Clemson also lost their ACC. So had they maybe won the ACC championship, they would have only had one loss. So maybe you think maybe they can sneak in. Yeah. But they didn't. They lost to North Carolina, North Carolina, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's that football. Yeah. What about the other championship? The other championship, of course, is the Copa Mundial, the World Cup in Qatar. We have we're, we have the quarterfinals now set. Unfortunately, the, did you watch Team USA lose to the Netherlands on Saturday? It did. Yeah. What did yeah. you think of that game? I mean, I think they played fairly well. They had a couple chances. It was unfortunate that their that the U.S. chances were so infrequent. And then when when uh, the Netherlands had a chance, it was like a very fast, like, yeah. crushing goal. Clinical, yeah, clinical finishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think had Pulisic made that first goal, which he was wide open. He he one timed it where I, I don't think he really needed to. I didn't need to. Yeah. He had more time. He could have done something else with it and picked his spot a little better rather than just kind of 
try to kick it towards goal and hope and hope for the best, which is kind of what happened. Yeah. Um, it still could have scored. That was a good save, yeah. but like that was some, he, he hurried a little bit more than he needed to. Yeah. And I think that sort of showed the difference between the USA and the Dutch was the mm. Dutch were more composed and, you know, they had, it feels like they had been there before played in uh, bigger games. Um, at least more of their players had. And yeah, yeah. The, every time they had a open shot in, in the area, it was bottom left corner, bottom right corner. You know, it was right in a place that was more or less impossible to get to. For, yeah. And for even a, a very good goalkeeper. Yeah. And then the USA doesn't have a real striker um, to score yeah. goals. They have a lot of good midfield play and outside play, but when they kick it into the box, there's nobody in there to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. The one goal was just kind of a, a kind of a fluke. They just uh, kind of hit off uh, Haji Wright's like, he kind of stepped on the ball, it seemed like, and it, and it went backwards in somehow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was, that was, it was a little strange, but it got, yeah. it got a little, you know, interesting for a moment when, they, when it was two to one. Down, it was two they to were one. down two, two nil and they got, they got the one goal. There was plenty of time left to like, you know, have that threat at least to equalize it. And then, right. And uh, immediate goal, the Netherlands can. Uh, yeah. So we have, we have the quarterfinals set yeah but uh, but I, I would say that you know the u.s i believe was ranked 16th in the fifa rankings going into this world cup they made it to the round of 16 but basically they were they, they were exactly where they're supposed to be yeah yeah i think um they, you know wasn't a disappointing world cup i think this is probably you know what we should have expected as like a a good finish and and i think i'm, I'm fine with it anyway but I think so too. I, I would have liked a, or, um, I would have liked a closer game mm-hmm. um, against the Netherlands. I think the way they played was better, but the finishing wasn't there, and it was just a. Honestly, they were lucky to get that goal, but once they got it, it seemed like they should have done something a little better with it, rather yeah. than doing another easy goal. But right. um, I think the first two, the, the the second goal was the worst one. I think right next to halftime. Um, and it was almost the exact same type of goal as the first one, where the guy was just kind of wide open in the box. Third goal, also just a guy nobody was covering. But had it been an American player, you don't know if they would have made it. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, blasted it over the crossbar or something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the quarterfinals, I think, of, uh, are set. Um, the Netherlands will play Argentina, uh, Croatia which beat Japan on penalty kicks. Japan had been a pretty good team. Uh, we'll play uh, Brazil. Uh, Croatia, I don't know if you remember, actually got second place four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, so they have a good, very good team. Luka Modric and other players are pretty good there. Um, France and England battle. Match. And then Morocco, the upset winner today over Spain on penalty kicks. Uh, uh, we'll... we'll uh, uh, we'll uh, play Portugal, who won six to one today. When uh, Gonzalo, Gonzalo Ramos uh, has a hat trick, uh, he replaced uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who had been uh, he and his coach aren't, aren't getting along very well. Uh, so he was on the bench today, and Portugal won six to one over Switzerland. So Portugal's looking pretty good. Morocco surprising. I think everybody's expected France, England, Brazil, mm-hmm. Argentina. Netherlands aren't yeah. surprising. 
Croatia is not surprising. Um, you have a favorite, right? So really, Morocco is the only real uh, surprise. Yeah, in this that advanced in in the knockout round. Yeah, yeah, had it been Spain, Portugal, France, England, that would have been all chalk. Chalk, yeah. <laughs> Which would have been an interesting game: Spain and Portugal, France, England, like like you know the two rivals, biggest rivals of each other probably in yeah. Europe, and then. I think having the South South American teams potential Brazil Argentina matchup in the semifinals, mm-hmm. or you know Brazil Netherlands would also be. I, I, mean, I think we'd be surprised if Croatia beats Brazil, but who knows? Um, yeah. So do you have? A, do you think Brazil still still the favorite to win? Neymar seems uh, Neymar, Neymar seems to be healthy again. Yeah, I, I mean it's hard to bet against Brazil in these, you know. You know, unless they're facing a, like a Germany squad where they giving up, what was it, six or seven goals that one year? Yeah. So, um, uh, five thirty-eight has has rankings. Um, Brazil right now they have as a thirty-three percent chance to win the World Cup. Okay. Um, yeah, who's who's Port- second in the? Uh, Portugal and England tied at fourteen. Really. Argentina thirteen, France twelve. So basically, the same Portugal through France hmm. and the Netherlands. Seven. I'm a little surprised here that in- England is isn't at least even with France because they, you know, they have to get through they have to get through that one game, right? I think England has a 52 percent chance of winning against France. France is 48 percent. It says, but then I think um, oh, maybe the, France doesn't match up as well I think, against Portugal. I think Portugal Morocco. Maybe you think well, if Morocco happens to win. France or England have a better chance, or maybe Port- I don't think Portugal's is good. I'm not sure, but um, Portugal I think has an has the has an easier quarterfinal at least on paper because they're playing Morocco. Yeah. This, um, is, this is Switzerland is actually okay, aren't they? Yeah, Switzerland's been all right. Yeah, they, I mean they just give six goals to Portugal though. So um, Spain was without yeah. without Ronaldo starting. So yeah. I would think Portugal's odds could go way up right now. I think they, yeah, I think they did. I think they probably would have been below. They're fourteen percent. They're they're slightly higher. They have a thirty-three percent of chance of making the final. It says hmm. at second at second highest. Okay. Uh, Brazil has a fifty-one percent chance of making the final. Seventy-seven percent chance of semi. So Croatia has the least likely chance of winning this next game, but it says they still have a slightly better chance of going far than Morocco. Yeah. Did you have the next games aren't until the 13th and 14th? Yeah. A little bit of time off. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday next week, I guess, for the next two games. Yep. Um, Wait, no, quarterfinal. No, there's the quarterfinals are nice. Yeah. Semifinals are 13th. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Quarterfinals will be Friday and will be uh, Friday, Saturday. Right. Okay. So should we, should we take down predictions for this? Okay. Who, who do you have in the in the quarters then, Mike? So winning the quarters, I think I actually like the Netherlands over Argentina. Okay. Given how they looked against the United States versus Argentina against Australia. And I'd say I see a Netherlands Brazil semi. And I see Portugal against France. I think England will blow it. I think France. 
France has bigger, has um, more big game experience. I think they're, they have a lot of missing players, but I think, uh, I don't think they, they don't have the psychological weight on them that England does. England's only mm. won one World Cup. They won it in 1966, I believe, when they hosted it. And France won last time. And uh-huh. yeah, they've, they won, they've won it twice good. already. And so, like, I don't think there's any pressure on France mm. in the way there is against England. And, you know, like, every little thing, if England does it wrong, they're going to be excoriated. And so I, I, so I, I, I think, I think there'll be, I think France will play looser. So I think I see a, I see a France, Portugal semi, um, Netherlands, Brazil, and I would say Brazil, France final, and probably Brazil winning. That's my guess. Well, I was, I was going to say Argentina, Brazil. Okay. And I was going to say France, Portugal too, but now that you have that same one, I'll say England, Portugal. Okay. Just to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I will do, I'll say a um, Brazil, Portugal final. Ooh, battle of the Portuguese teams. Yes. Not a battle yeah. of the Falklands again right. between Argentina and England. Right. <laughs> Messi trying to win his first. Yeah. That would be, that would be fun. I think Argentina, England, because I think, there would be also be so much pressure on both of those teams. Oh yeah, because Messi—that's like seen as the, as the thing that he's never won a World Cup. I guess you could say mm-hmm. Ronaldo's never won a World Cup either, but Portugal's not seen as the power quite that. Um, yeah, Argentina is, and Portugal I think won Euro, the Euro European Championship one time. So like, that's as tough to win probably as the World Cup, really. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to transition back to our other football? Uh, sure. <laughs> and end this maybe mega, let's this, uh, power hour through this uh, quickly here would we'll probably be good yeah okay um next okay so next week we have an interesting slate week 14 um what uh what, what is your first bet next week uh my first pick is um i'm going to Stick with the theme I started last week with um, Buffalo needing to win to hang on to now what now hang on to their one seed. Uh, they've got they're a nine and a half point favorite over the Jets. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo minus nine and a half at home. I guess I could see I could see that. I think uh, Mike White is a good story, but I don't think the Jets offense can keep up against the really good defense and also the bills lost to the jets earlier this year so i'd say they're probably out for out for blood um although maybe the jets have been who knows but i i i, I if i had to pick one side i would pick i would pick the home favorite bills my first bet is also a nine and a half point favorite and maybe it's a dumb uh bet but i'm going back with the chiefs the chiefs on the road against denver denver's terrible i think the chiefs really want to get right and maybe they can do that in Denver, they've won their last games against Denver handily, so I think maybe they can continue that. I, I, if they, yeah, I, I, yeah. So I'm, I'm doing Chiefs minus nine and a half. They, they've been bad against the spread, but I think, you know, one of these times they're going to have to pull. pull it, so. And Denver's defense is really good, but the Chiefs don't seem to struggle against teams with good defenses. They seem to figure out how to pick apart basically anybody in score. Yeah, goals. they score about the same. Against Regardless whoever the defense is, yeah. yeah. Even yeah. if they're having an off game, they'll still score twenty something points usually. And Denver's only scored 
more than 16 points twice this season, I think. So yeah. I don't think Denver can keep up. They don't they seem have to have any way to put points on the board. And Russell the Wilson. Way, the only way that the Chiefs tend to lose games is by giving up a lot of points. And I don't know that Denver can actually score a lot of points. So, uh, yeah, I think Russell Wilson will have to somehow morph back into Seattle Russell Wilson of like eight years ago. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's happening. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't predict Seattle that. did beat Mahomes, this Chiefs, Mahomes' rookie year with mm-hmm. Wilson. And Wilson had a very good game that game. So, I guess it's possible, but I still like the Chiefs minus nine and a half. Yeah. How about your second? Uh, my second pick is I'm going to stick with San Francisco again and Brock Purdy uh, against Purdy versus Brady is what this one is, right? And it's uh, uh, San Francisco minus three and a half at home against Tampa Bay. I think San Francisco's defense is strong enough. They've got, and again, they have McCaffrey. They just need a serviceable quarterback there. I think Brock Purdy can do it. That's what and I, I don't think that the Bucks have been very good at scoring and it seems like San Francisco scores somewhat against anybody. So uh, I like I like San Francisco minus three and a half. Is Purdy the next Tom Brady, low round draft pick uh, who replaces- Even, uh, even lower uh, round. More, yeah, highly touted uh, starter quarterback. Uh, with a and leads uh, has a good defense and serviceable offense to carry his team into the playoffs and maybe Super Bowl victory is that in the cards for Purdy? I'd like to see that. I again wouldn't predict it though. So I I, w- I would like to see that only if the Chiefs were not in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I would like to see Brock Purdy go down. Uh, but um, if the Chiefs were playing the Forty Nineers again, but no. I, I wish Brock Purdy the best, and I, I and I yeah I hope I hope uh, they beat Tampa Bay. Um, my my second bet um, also repeats a theme from last week where I missed um, I missed on the Texans plus seven against Cleveland, but it took three defensive touchdowns for them to not cover. Even had they only had two defensive touchdowns, I would have covered that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Texans are playing at Dallas. They are 17-point underdogs. That's just so many points. I know Dallas has been coming off some big wins, but I don't think they're going to really care that much. I think they're just going to try to get through and stay healthy for the end of the season. And, you know, teams too. Uh, it's too many points. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Texans plus 17. That is the maybe the biggest spread I think we've seen maybe this season, actually. Um, but yeah, they uh, yeah Dallas would have covered that last week um, with their fourth quarter, their thirty-five, their their five touchdown fourth quarter, week thirteen. But uh, yeah, are they going to do that again? I don't think so. But who knows? Maybe not. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. My my instincts have been off more than they've been right so far. So uh, if you've been playing against me and just picking the opposite, you'd be uh, twenty-two and. 17 rather than 17 and 22 so right that's right you'd be a you'd be a real good gambler in vegas so um see what mike does do the other thing yeah how about your second pick uh my well my third pick i guess third pick third uh, pick you've done your second yeah um i'm gonna go with um another home team uh seattle is uh favored by three and a half points at home against uh, carolina 
Uh, I think uh, Seattle's going to try to be keep, keeping pace with San Francisco. Maybe they think that San Francisco is a little bit weaker uh, with Garoppolo out, so mm-hmm. they're they're going to need to keep pace with them to try to you know contend for the division and for their wild cards spot they're barely holding on to right now. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, Seattle minus three and a half. Yeah, it's a long road trip for Carolina all the way across the country. PJ Walker is probably going to be quarterback or Darnold maybe. Who knows? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we, Seattle. We, the only thing we know is it's not Baker Mayfield. Yeah, yeah, he went to Los Angeles, to the Rams. I think Seattle, yeah, they really need this game. And I don't know how much Carolina is. They're going to they're gonna want to win, of course, but I think they're, they're on autopilot, I think, at this point. Yeah, isn't so. it, It's more about getting experience heading into next year and, and, and doing things like that. So, um, yeah, I I think that's a, I think that's a plausible bet for sure. I'm also sticking with the a West Coast home team for my third bet. This team, however, is an underdog. Um, this is the Chargers at home against the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. That was the game that replaced Broncos Chiefs Sunday night. Uh, it got fl- when the Chiefs Broncos got flexed out. Um, did and did so you see the, there, there was a headline that, uh, um, that that Russell Wilson is so bad that he flexed. Mahomes out of a Sunday night game. <laughs> yes, that's a that's a, so, that's a that's an impressive feat, I guess we could say. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. So and, and the Dolphins lost um, fairly handily to San Francisco. They're on, you know, they're going on back, you know, going back across the country. I think the Chargers are really need a win after losing to Raiders. They really want a playoff spot. They this is a must-win game for them. It's not quite as must-win for Miami now, but I think just being a home team and 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 I, th- I think they can cover at least cover and probably I think I like them to win since it's three full points. Um, it'd be nicer if it was three and a half underdog, but I I, I still like I like the Chargers here. I think they you know if they lose here, I think they're Playoff chances are pretty much coast. Yeah. Especially with the Raiders seemingly moving up a mm-hmm. bit too. Yeah. We talked about the potential Raiders scenario finishing 10 and 7. Yeah. Yep. It's still on the table. Any uh any other comments on week 14? Any other games that look interesting? Or do we wanna we've 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 really talked a lot this 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 uh, I think so. episode. Yeah, I think there's some interesting games. I think it's interesting that um, the Vikings are fa- are home, are road underdogs against the um, against the Lions. You know, some interesting well, lines. The losing record. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the over under is like relatively high too. It's fifty three and a half for that game too. Yeah. Browns Bengals. I think it's a little surprising the Bengals are only six point favorites. You know, there's a lot of interesting things, but I'm not quite. You know, something seems off, so I don't want. I don't. You know, yeah. I feel like whatever I touch is not going to is not going to turn to gold. So I'm just going to go with these uh, teams this year. We can talk about results of those games next week. Any, any parting thoughts, Doctor Scott? I guess maybe, maybe the some of the slate for this week is a little different because there are six teams on their bye this week, which is a little surprising anyway. That there's that many teams on the bye in a single week. 
Falcons, best- Bears, Packers, Colts, Saints, and Commanders all have bye weeks. And the, and the, and the Commanders are the only ones that are sort of in playoff. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so most of the good teams are playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting, I think. Um, the Ravens-Steelers matchup is always a tough one, and without Lamar Jackson, the Steelers mm-hmm. are actually favored at home. I uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of divisional games. Mm-hmm. Just about every game. Uh, the other than well, there's a few. There's like a lot of like maybe half the games are divisional games at this point in the season. So yeah, it's a yeah. And I think we we picked only a couple of the division matchups anyway. Chiefs Broncos, I picked, and you picked Buffalo Jets. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, good luck to everyone who's betting on, on the games or whether it's uh, for real or for fun. And until next week, I am Dr. Michael Werman. He is Dr. Andrew Scaff. We are the Warning Trek Power Hour. Please like and or subscribe to our podcast and or YouTube channel. And like I said before, you never know what's going to happen uh, on on any given Sunday, uh, but I hope your teams do well. Not no, good day. Flummoxed. <laughs> Flummoxed. I was vexed. <laughs> <laughs>